Hey everyone, and welcome to the Soul Anchor Podcast, where together we'll discover how to stay anchored in a storm and how to thrive. I've invited some friends that I deeply admire and whose authentic stories will encourage you to embrace hope when the waves crash. These are friends who have navigated some fairly deep waters of unthinkable circumstances, but they've arrived back on shore resilient and strong. We will also have a segment, what I call Anchor Coaching, We'll all answer your questions about what to do and how to stand strong in a storm and give some practical helps on how to navigate that. And we'll also be talking about just some fun things like staying sane, how to keep our sense of humor, how to stay distracted, so to speak, from the heaviness of the storm. And so hopefully that will be an encouragement to you as well. So I am your host, Cynthia Cavanaugh, and I am so glad you are here. Well, welcome to the Soul Anchor Podcast, and today we have the privilege of having Kathy Collard Miller on today. I'm so excited. Kathy lives in the desert in Southern California, in the Coachella Valley, and she is my desert friend, so I'm so happy to have her. And uh, my husband and I have a little vacation rental place down there in Palm Desert, and we rent it out. certain months of the year and then we come down and that's the time when I try and snag Kathy at a Starbucks and we have a conversation as much as we can. It's great. So welcome Kathy. So glad to have you today. Oh my privilege, Cynthia. I look forward to every opportunity to be with you. Oh you're so sweet. Thank you, Kathy. Well let me tell you a little bit about Kathy. She is a wife. She's a mom. She's a grandma, she's a writer, speaker, and lay counselor. She's an award-winning, best-selling author of more than 55 books. Yay, Kathy! (laughs) (laughs) And has spoken in more than 35 U.S. states and nine foreign countries. Her passion is to encourage Christians to trust God more. And she lives that out. I can tell you the times I've been around her. Her book, she is passionate about wanting other people to trust God more. And so here on the Soul Anchor podcast, we are wanting to talk about ways that God has helped you, helped others stay strong and stayed anchored in a storm. So Kathy has a story about how from her I don't know when it started, but I'll let her tell the story about how God healed her marriage and also how God delivered her from being a child abuser. And so we're going to talk about that today. And so, Kathy, what contributed to your abusive anger and how did God help you become the kind of mother that you wanted? The story begins many years ago because, Cynthia, it Uh, hard for me to believe how long it's been since that happened. And it's really hard to believe that I was that kind of person, Mm. but I was. I can look back and all the way to childhood and know that I had a anger problem. I remember when I was in third grade, my best friend, Irene, who lived across the street, did something or said something I don't even remember. And Cynthia, I got so angry, Mm. I hit her right smack in the nose. Oh my goodness. 
And as she ran across the street crying, mm -hmm. I stood paralyzed and I thought, see what happens when you get angry, Kathy? Mm -hmm. You better never get angry again. And my vow was believing that I could never feel angry, which is absolutely impossible, but I'm a little sure. girl. How, how do I know the truth? I don't. And so that vow that I will never get angry again only made me try to submerge my anger. Mm -hmm. And I never learned, and yes, my mom had a somewhat of an anger problem. I never learned how to deal with it. So as time went along, I also began to think in order to be loved by God, my church seemed to indicate I need to be perfect. I need to be good. But praise God, when I was 18 years old, I began dating a boy named Larry, and he took me to his church. And there I found out the truth that I didn't have to earn my salvation. God offered it to me as a free gift because of Christ's death on the cross on October 1st, 1967. I prayed wow. to receive Christ. I was 18 years old, and I thought, Cynthia, now. I can become perfect because I have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's such a lie the enemy throws at oh, us, isn't it? It is indeed. And 10 years, three years later, Larry and I got married. And then five years after we got married, our daughter was born. Then our son was born two years later. And I had a very strong-willed little toddler. And the anger that I had tried to bury for all those years yes. began to surface. Larry wasn't being the Prince Charming I thought he should be. He worked two jobs. He had a flying hobby. He was never home. And that anger began to be expressed more and more towards that little girl to the point that I choked her. I was mm -hmm. convinced I would kill her. And I hated myself, and I almost used my husband's off-duty service revolver. He was a cop. I almost used that gun to take my life because I mm -hmm. thought God had given up on me, and he could not love me, and he certainly didn't have the power to take this absolutely frustrated, out-of-control woman to healing. What a powerful testimony. Oh my goodness. I have so many thoughts running through my mind right now. You know, let's go back to when you were a little girl, first of all. You know, when we're children and if we don't have, you know, um, the correct teaching as, you know, someone telling us it's okay, your emotions are okay, God gave us your emotions, it's okay to be angry. It's just what we do with our anger that makes it right or wrong. And so I'm sure in that moment as a little girl, it was kind of a knee jerk reaction. Um, and that's where your anger sounds like, you know, that's when you first realized it. But then I think the, what happens is the the enemy comes in with that shame, right? And then he, he, he caused or he influenced you in that moment as a little girl to have those thoughts. I will never be angry again, which I'm never going to feel again. 
which really that's what oh, it translates. Wouldn't you agree to that? Absolutely. It was, you know, control my emotions and it wasn't just anger. It was every emotion because you sure. never know when it'll pop up again. Sure. And of course it was involved. It was like this yarn that was intrinsically all wrapped into the perfectionism lie. Because if I even let my anger or even any passion about mm, something, yes. then it felt shameful. That word is so important, yes. Cynthia, when you said that, because I can't be perfect, I'm shameful, God will not love me, it's all wrapped in together, and Satan takes the yarn ball that's so just wrapped up in this confusion. Yes and makes it impossible to think that God knows what he's doing and he has hope for us. He does, and I, I still can relate to your story because I struggled with anger as a young mom as well. And, and I grew up in, in an angry, uh, with an angry father who has given me permission to share that part and has, you know, God has healed him of that and he's very self-aware, but as a child, you know, that's what was modeled for me too, right? And so that was my right. natural. But I was like you, the same thing. Need to be perfect. This anger is wrong. You shouldn't be doing No one taught me how to express that. So then you become a mother and you have children and your husband is busy, right? I mean, your husband is busy. Are I think oh, I think a lot of young moms carry that guilt and shame for be, even if they never had an anger problem, they all, I've heard moms say, we're all up. shameful about something. Yes. Right, yes. And I've heard moms wake up and say, when they're, they're they have kids and they say, I never was an angry person until I had children. <laughs> right. But <laughs> then so all true. of our baggage that comes along, you know, for you with your story, with mine and others, it just turns into the enemy coming in and just wanting to destroy whatever we think about God, right? Or to make us feel that we have to be perfect and that God's not yes. going to hear us and listen to us. And so then how did God help you be kind, the kind of mother that you wanted to be? What was the turning point for you in understanding um, and learning that it was okay to be angry, but just what did you need to do with that anger? Exactly. And Satan loves secrets. And I kept the secret. In fact, Cynthia, I led a women's neighborhood Bible study in the midst of being mm -hmm. out of control of, in my home. But I knew it was getting so bad. So I actually had the courage to share a little bit mm -hmm. about my problem with one of the gals in the Bible study. And I actually literally turned my face away from her knowing she was going to blast me with how horrible I was, mm. like somebody else had. Sure, sure. And so, but she, praise God for Jan, she looked at me and she said, oh man, I relate to that. I just got so mad mm. at Jason yesterday. You, <laughs> <laughs> Jan, you, you, you get angry? Yes. And she looked at me with compassion and she said, of course, Kathy. Everyone gets angry. Now, Cynthia, I didn't have the courage to tell her what I meant by sure. my abusive anger, but I left her house that day. 
And at the end of a very long dark tunnel for the very first time, there was a little bit of a light. And I thought, maybe there's hope for me. Within a couple weeks, I God like pressed me to share at our Bible study group, asking the women to pray for me, hold me accountable. That was another huge step. I began to read parenting books. I began to notice verses like Ephesians 4.15. You know, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So there was a way to do it right, like you said, but not. And so confess it and recognize it. And the Lord just began to teach me so many things. I began to learn how to discipline my daughter correctly Mm -hmm. with consequences instead of trying to think that anger was a disciplinary tool. No way. But then God just did it as a process. And I wasn't very happy about that, Cynthia. (laughs) I was praying for the instantaneous Mm. deliverance. But he began to little by little by little, but I still give me the patience, but I still had no hope for our marriage. Before we get into your marriage, I just want to touch on one thing with your uh, sharing. You, you talked about confessing your anger problem to your Bible study group. And I just want women to hear this, or people that are listening to hear this. Um, what was their response to you sharing your anger problem? How did they respond to that? to you sharing? I am so glad you asked that because it's almost a little funny. I finally got the courage sitting around this table with maybe six women and I share, I have an anger problem. No, you don't, Kathy. Mm. No, listen, I've got an anger. Kathy, you're fine. I've seen you with your kids. You're doing great. They could not receive it. Mm. And I had to convince them And when they were convinced, then they began to hold me accountable. And every week of Bible study, someone would say, been praying for you, Kathy. How you doing? And sometimes, Cynthia, just knowing someone was going to ask me that gave me a little burst of patience that I might not have had otherwise. And James 4.15.16 says, admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I saw God use the truth of that verse to bring healing for me. You're so brave and so courageous. And I think one of the reasons when you know, we see each other as friends. And, you know, I've had people say things like that to me when I've confessed things. And they're like, no, that's not really who I'm like, no, you don't get it. You don't understand how sinful I really am. Right. But I think the reason sometimes is that we respond to people like that is because if we receive what they're saying about their sins, that means that might be holding up a mirror to what we need to confess mm-hmm. ourselves, right? And it's, it's, that whole, it. it's that whole perfectionism that we have to present ourselves that if, if my friend says she has an anger problem, I might have to admit that I have an anger problem or I have an addiction of some sort of, you know, something that I know that is not pleasing to God. So that's why I think that verse is so powerful in James is that, 
it's not just the person that's confessing that's being healed. It's the yeah. other people. It opens the door for them to be healed and them to recognize you and I to recognize that, Hey, you know, like we have some sinful areas we should probably pay attention to. So, and so I good. love that perspective because I believe one of my purposes in speaking, like especially at a retreat where Friday night I give my story, then it opens up everyone on the weekend being able to share because guess what? The speaker isn't perfect. Yeah. So maybe there's permission for me to now share throughout the weekend with everybody that I haven't wanted to see the mirror as you use that wonderful metaphor. Well, like they say, we have to lead the way and be authentic yes. as speakers, teachers, leaders. It's not always easy and I don't like it, but God often has poked his finger and said, why don't you start the sharing? You put that in your message. I'm like, oh God. Oh, no, no, no. I it want them scary. to like me. Yes, yes. It's scary. Yes. Well, let's go to your talking about your marriage then. And because you've indicated that God healed your marriage, which means you had some issues. And so <laughs> talk about how, um, how that, what happened during that time period then. Well, first of all, I have to confess that I was so furious with my husband that one time I knelt beside my bed and prayed that the plane he was flying would crash. Hmm. Cynthia, I felt it would be better to just be on my own. And I meant it. And I was disappointed when Larry came home from his hobby that day of flying who knows where. And I felt alone. I felt rejected. I felt left out. I felt unsupported. I've got these two little kids. Larry isn't helping. And he knew how unhappy I was. And of course, I came across as critical. I came across as nothing he did was any good, which of course was one of the problems. And I took the anger I had for him out on that little girl. So one day, even though God had been working in me to give me patience as a mother, I was cleaning house, still hated my husband. God spoke to me in my heart and said, Kathy, I want you to tell Larry you love him. You have got to be kidding, God. Mm -hmm. I don't love him. I hate his guts. I no. don't care if he comes home. I don't, get, I don't care if he gets shot on the street. Let him. Kathy, the whisper again, I want you to tell Larry you love him. No, I will not, because he'll use it against me. He'll think I'm giving him blanket approval to do everything wrong that he's never home. Then, Kathy, I want you to think it the next time that you see Larry. Well, think it. What good would that do God? Because he wouldn't even hear me. Oh, if he can't hear me, then he can't use it against me. So, of course, God, I'll be willing to be your obedient servant, which was totally hypocritical. <laughs> But that evening, as he walked down the hall towards me, Cynthia, I forced myself to think 
I love you. I looked him straight in the eye. I didn't say it, but I thought I love you. But I'm sorry I for laughing. Really. I don't mean. Oh, no, you should. I mean, it's just you're so <laughs> real, Kathy. I just so appreciate you are putting words to thoughts that I am sure many of us have had sometimes when we're in a difficult place, in a difficult marriage, in a difficult relationship, and we really are, you know, it turns into, like you said, almost hatred towards the other person because we are in such pain. We are carrying this pain. And so you're putting, you're putting words and verbalizing what I think many people feel at times, but because we say Christians have to be perfect, we're not supposed to have those thoughts. We know we're supposed to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ doesn't mean that those thoughts don't happen, that they don't come across and flash across the screen of our mind. We're not responsible for them flashing across the screen. Yes. Just like when we're watching TV and all of a sudden something comes across the screen that we don't, is not appropriate, but we are responsible for what we do with what flashes across the screen. And so I just so appreciate you being so gut-wrenching honest because i think that helps us needed well but it helps us to understand then how god can come in and meet you right where you're at and you know cynthia i would love to say that at that moment god did an instantaneous healing and i loved my husband from that moment on but it didn't happen as you said, I had to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ over and over and over again, say, I love you, but I feel like I hate you. I love you, but I feel like I hate you. And this was all in my mind. I didn't even say it because I couldn't. Sure. But little by little, as God did the healing and reminded me of how much he had forgiven me, yes. I began to be able to forgive my husband for being an imperfect human being and then we went on a marriage retreat together god used that i was able to share with him for the first time how i really felt little by little more and more healing and you know what cynthia this year we will be celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary oh my goodness well congratulations thank you he's the love of my life i am so grateful for him we still have difficulties of course course. you're human (laughs) we're human but we have learned how to recognize more quickly what is bothering us so that we can deal with those issues and then give each other grace yes so important so tell me a little bit about your relationship now with your children and your daughter in particular, who you really was very difficult, I'm sure, looking back and knowing as a mom, you know, ugh, so hard. So how has that worked itself out or has it? Oh, definitely has. And I love to tell the story of Cynthia, how when my first book came out and she was in fifth grade, it told the story of how God delivered me from being a child abuser. And she's you know, in the book. And when the book came out and I had that copy, she said, mom, I want to take it to school with me and show it to my teacher. 
She not only showed it to her teacher, it was passed around to the teachers at the school. And I love that story, Cynthia, because when the book was returned to me, there was a note from her teacher. And her teacher said, I really love your daughter. She's a happy, well-adjusted little girl. And God had done healing. Now, was she perfect? No, because I'm still not. Sure. <laughs> but our daughter has never objected to our story being told. She has been in my audiences countless times and has shared herself the story. She is a wife, a mom of two, raising her children for the Lord. She loves the Lord. She's in leadership for her young mom's group at church. And we have a fabulous relationship. And I am so grateful. Our son uh, is within um, our family. He is our prodigal. But, you know, God is working in that. And so I, I cannot thank and praise God enough. Because there is always hope. No matter the depth or the storm that we are facing. Yes. So what would you say to women who are, you know, young moms or mothers of teens and they've, you know, maybe experienced similar struggles or have struggles in their marriage or they struggle with, with their children in that, how would you, like, what was the one key that you can look back on that you would pass on to them that kept you anchored in the midst of all that? One very important thing amongst many is do not take your children's behavior personally. Do not believe Satan's lie that if you were a perfect mother, then your children would be perfect or that they would seek God or whatever the lie is. Because the truth is every child is an individual and makes their own choices. So isn't it crazy how in this world you can be in the grocery store and your toddler is having a temper tantrum on the grocery yes. store floor <laughs> and the the people walk by and they look at you you know what they're thinking bad child bad mom yes and you know what i have been tempted to say now about to that person who's critical i would want to say to her him or her the umbilical cord was cut when he was born because that is an individual and no I'll never be a perfect mom but that child still has choices now should I take parenting classes should I read parenting yes. books absolutely but even Jesus the perfect discipler did not have perfect disciples and that gives far from me great, it. far from it, <laughs> gives me great comfort that yes. we, it's not a reflection of us. We do the best we can and our children need to be needy so that they will need God. That's right. Somehow could be perfect. If we could be perfect, they wouldn't need God. Yes. We would be That's their so idol. So true. That's, oh, I love that. They to be needy so they need God. And one of the things, just a funny story around your, you know, when we see moms in the grocery store, I, I make it a point to actually, when I see something like that happen and she's trying to rein in her 
child because sometimes, you know, I mean, my kids did that. My grandkids have done that sometimes <laughs> where they just act out in the store, like, and you're looking at them like, who are you? Right? Like, it's yeah. just, it's more of a rare occasion than the norm. And it could be a number of things. They're tired or they don't feel good or, you know, yes. they're, they're just testing you or, and um, I've seen moms who just are so embarrassed and they're trying their hardest to rein in that child's behavior and still attempt to do what they're wanting to do in the store. Yes. And so I just kind of come behind them and whisper and I say to them, you're doing a good job there. I say, this will pay off. And they look at me like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, they say, Oh, thank you. And I said, if you need to take them out and just leave your groceries, just go, it's okay. I've done it. You know, just try to give them that affirmation rather than, you know, because people don't, we just look and stare and I've done that too. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't know what to say. You don't know what their reaction is. Yes. Going to be. Yes. I'll, I'll give you uh, one, another thing. And this is what to say to your child as they're laying on the floor. And that is just wait till I tell your mother about this. <laughs> Meaning, like you're not the mom. You're like yes. you're Who like you're the child. You're the neighbor. You're the babysitter. <laughs> Just get <laughs> off the floor. Wait till I tell your mom about that. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I love that. So, how did God open doors then for you to minister to others with your story? That was shocking, Cynthia, because I had no intention of telling anybody, even though I wrote an article about my story, but I still had it published anonymously. I was The shame was still there, so heavy. I had an opportunity at church to meet with one gal. There was supposed to be a group. Just one other lady showed up for this group thing, and we were sharing about our lives. And I said, you know, this, I'm so excited. I got this article published and, oh, what's it about? She said, you weren't supposed to ask that. <laughs> and so I said, well, it's about how God delivered me from being a child abuser. And she began to gently ask me questions. And then she said, you need to share that at our church, at our mother's group. I said, no, I'm not. I'm never going to share this. Don't you dare tell anybody. Oh, yes, I'm going to tell. And so she did. And by the time the, the women's leader called me, got to change my mind, I shared my story in 1980 to 120 moms and seeing the reaction on their faces and the responses that they gave, I was transformed to know God had just birthed something bigger than I could ever have imagined. And I've shared my story around the world. And you know what? Every mother is the same, regardless of where she lives in the world, her culture, or it doesn't matter. And I am so privileged that God gave me the courage, Cynthia. That was not my courage. I, my knees were knocking as I shared that sure. first time. But that began the open door. And then I went to a writer's conference. I began to write books. And um, as we're taping this, uh, my 58th book, was just published this week. Oh so goodness. God can yes. do beyond what we can ever imagine, even though it started in a storm, even though the anchor feels like it's giving way. 
Wow. Powerful. You're so encouraging, so inspiring. And, and I know there's um, women out there listening. Um, I don't want to, maybe there's some men too, but of course it could be both, but you know, who have that desire to put their story into print as an author of several, many, many books. Now, what would word of uh, encouragement or counsel would you give them if they have a story and God's beginning to open up doors for them? What would you say uh, to them? Two things. First of all, go to a writer's conference. It's a great opportunity. And it is where you'll be able to connect with other writers, be encouraged, and also meet with people in the publishing world. Secondly, do not think a book is the only way to mm. communicate. Articles, especially online, will reach tons more people than your book ever will. And so look for the opportunities that might not seem as important because we all think, I got to write a book, I got to yes, write a book. Yes. No, think in terms of articles and then go and look online how you can find those resources. Chances are, whoever's listening right now, you already go to those sources yes. and you see, how did people get published? Go to the writer's guidelines on those online sites and or ask, and then find out what their requirements are and then follow, follow their guidelines. Yes, and you know, just starting to tell your story, being real and authentic on social media, you is a great way you know they call yes. it micro blogs when you write a hundred and hundred and fifty words you know maybe in an instagram post and post a picture that's a way of sharing your story too and just you know god Absolutely. If, if your path is to to be published there's nothing going to stand in the way of god opening those doors for you and i wholeheartedly it, it doesn't define you it doesn't give your value to be published and God's math is always different than <laughs> our math, right? And so Absolutely. But, um, a powerful, powerful story, Kathy. Thank you so much for sharing that. So now I like to ask my guests, what is something fun about you that other people might not know that's, you know, they know you're an author, a speaker, um, all these, do you travel? So what is something fun about you that most people may not know about. I bet very few people know I jumped out of an airplane. Oh my goodness. Uh, I skydived. <laughs> and You're I don't so know what, when I first said, I think I want to skydive. Don't ask me to bungee jump. <laughs> yeah. No okay, way. I won't do that. But for some reason, I thought I wanted to skydive. So my sister-in-law called me out. She says, I want to do that too. Uh-oh, now we have to do it. But I'll tell you the strangest thing about that experience, Cynthia, is my son, my teenage son, jumped out. We're tandem, by the way. Okay. Not, okay. We're not, my, I'm not tandem with my son. We're, we're with a teacher, you know, with That's another good. guy, another person. Right. I'm not someone. Going, yeah, right, right. So I see him jump out with the guy uh, before me. And you know, that was almost more terrifying to see your son I can only imagine. go into the sky yes. in front of you and you're looking down at him and then it's your turn. Maybe it was better, Cynthia, 
because then it took the attention off of me because I was, you Good know, point. focusing on my son. But I'm actually very glad that I do it. I wouldn't do it again, but I'm glad I can say I skydived. Oh, that's so fun. I, I love that. My sister wanted to do that with me um, for her 50th birthday. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not going <laughs> to do that with you. I will stay on the ground and take pictures. But, you know, the biggest height sport I've done is going off a, a zip line, doing a zip line. And that was enough for me. Well, now that terrifies yeah. me. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. Cynthia, so oh. good for you. It was fun. So one other thing I wanted to ask you too, I love to ask uh, my guests is when you're in a storm and there's so much pain, it's so hard and you're working so hard, you're trying to listen to God, you know, it's three steps forward and two steps back. And what, what would you say to our listeners about you know, how not to take life so seriously in that moment to make sure you keep your sanity and keep your sense of humor. What would you, what would you say? Or what have you done during a, a season of that just to make sure that, you know, we're not having to check ourselves in somewhere <laughs> because we're <laughs> trying to keep our sanity. There's plenty of storms. You know what? I absolutely am grounded and anchored in the nature of God. My most recent two books are called God's Intriguing Questions, 40 Old Testament Devotions Revealing God's Nature, okay. and God's Intriguing Questions, 60 New Testament Devotions Revealing Jesus' Nature. And I'm thinking of the disciples being in the boat in the storm, yes. Cynthia, and Jesus was asleep and in how dare him <laughs> you know what these strong fishermen said to him as they wake him up jesus do you not care yes i think they were probably yelling at him in the wind i think you're right <laughs> as the salt air is whipping i think they were yelling but, don't you care <laughs> care and in that moment they believed jesus nature was uncaring mm. and whenever i start to get flustered worried tense depressed sad it's because i'm believing a lie about god's nature and so for me to ask myself to give me a kind of soul care kathy who is god right now who are so you believing good. God's nature is right now? Well, he doesn't care. No, God cares. He got up from the cushion, the pillow in the boat, and he said, be still. Kathy, he wants to say to your soul, be still. I will be glorified as I still this storm. I do care. You can trust who I am, even when it seems like my nature isn't who you need. I, I will take good care of you. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. So strong. I love that. Now, putting that into practice then and do you like take a walk to have, you know, God speak to you in that way? Do you go swimming? Do you, I'm looking for 
a way that practical a practical kind of keeps you in that, in that mode of knowing that God cares, like just yes. to kind of restore you. I wear a rubber band on my wrist. Okay. And when I see the rubber band on my wrist, I ask myself, Kathy, what are you feeling? And what are you believing? And then if I'm not believing the truth about God, I, I don't, I, I, sometimes I do this, sometimes I don't. I give myself a little snap. Okay. And then as I just, like you said, towards the beginning, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That rubber band reminds me, what am I thinking? What am I believing? And who is God that I can trust right now? That's so good. And when we're stressed and we're starting to swell because we're stressed, the rubber band's getting tighter. <laughs> just kidding. That's such a great idea. That's, that's just, I love the visual, the practical. That's so, so good. It can make so, a difference. Where can people find you? I would love for them to find me at kathycollardmiller.com. And that's Kathy with a K and a Y. And then Collard, C-O-L-L-A-R-D miller.com kathy collard miller.com and all my books are available on amazon yes and we have one book that we will be giving away and that's god's intriguing questions 40 old testament devotions revealing god's nature so if you take a snapshot of this podcast and post it and tag me we'll put you into the drawing um to receive one of Kathy's books. And thank you so much, Kathy. This has My just been pleasure, so awesome. I just, and once, uh, I don't, I'm not sure when we're headed to the desert next, but when but we you, come down. We will meet at Starbucks. We will meet. We have this corner at Starbucks that we meet and get our drinks. <laughs> our names are there. Our names are there. <laughs> they're, they're wondering or where we can, are. Or you and your husband, or you can come and sit on our patio and just enjoy the wonderful mountains of the desert. And so I look forward to that, yes, Cynthia. I am so, so glad fun. you're my friend. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining us today on the Soul my Anchor pleasure. Podcast. We had such a good time with Kathy today, didn't we? She is just so full of wisdom and I just love spending time with her and I just can't wait to get back to our little corner in Starbucks and just glean some more wisdom from her. And she's a lot of fun too. But I just wanna remind you, uh, if you are interested in receiving a copy of her book, uh, you know, I know you can go to Amazon and, and get it, but if you actually, you know, maybe you don't know how to screenshot and post on Instagram, that's okay. If you just make a comment, in the Facebook, uh, Cynthia Cavanaugh, my Facebook page, or on Instagram, Cynthia Cavanaugh, then you can uh, put you in the drawing and we'll see if you can be a winner. And I mean, see if you can be, I'd love everybody to be a winner, but I have one book and we'll put you in the drawing and then I will um, private message you and get that out to you right away. And so today for Anchor Coaching, I am kind of having fun posing questions to you and so I want to ask you today is, in light of what we've been listening to in this interview, I want to just ask you, 
What do you need God to set you free from? You know, Kathy shared so graphically, so real, so raw about her own journey of anger and abuse and her troubled marriage and how God gave her the victory over that and helped her. And, you know, sometimes we just have a hard time overcoming certain habits and behaviors in our life and we try to do it in our own strength and then we fail and we say we're sorry God and we try again and I know there's been a few things in my life and right now I'll just be real with you what I'm trying to do is not look at my phone the first thing in the morning and I've kind of gone up and down with that and I you know I kind of grovel and hobble to God and say, God, I'm so sorry. I just don't want to, you know, I I don't want to start my day like that. And, but it's so tempting, you know, and I think maybe the answer is I need to move it farther away from me in the morning. That's probably a good, good solution. So I'm sure somebody will post something for me on that, some tips, (laughs) but any, you know, what, what is it? Is it something like that? Is it, you know, an anger issue? Is it some, you know, thing that you're, some thought pattern that you cannot be set free from. And just want you to know that, you know, with God, all things are possible. And so my question to pose to you today to think about for this week is, what is it that you need to ask God to deliver you from, to set you free from? And start praying about that every single day. And instead of beating yourself up when you fall prey to the temptation and you give in, just start over again and say, God, I know I blew it, but I'm going to pick myself up again. And I'm just going to believe that the more I lean into you and surrender, that you're going to give me victory over this. And if you need to get help, get some help, right? Go see a counselor, read a good book, you know, call a friend up and ask them to pray with you for 30 days over this particular behavior that you want to overcome and see what God does. And that would be my question for you today. So I'm just going to pray for us um, over this. And so God, I just thank you so much for how you promise that you want to bring healing and set us free from these behaviors and temptations, God, that seem to overcome us at times that we can't seem to get a handle on and get the victory over. And so, God, I just pray that as we surrender that to you, even daily, even by minute, God, that you would give us ways and means to to overcome and that we would not allow the lies of the enemy that when we mess up that shame us that we would be able to stand firm and stand for truth and know that we can overcome because you have overcome you have gone before us and that's why you died on the cross to set us free and we have that same resurrection power to overcome what's in our life so god i just commit every listener on the other side of listening on the on the other side of this microphone god that you would strengthen them that you would encourage them that you would help them to see that yes they can live and walk in freedom and so we ask all of these things believing in your most holy name amen thanks so much for joining me today on the soul anchor Grab a friend and join our community at thesoulanchor.com. That's thesoulanchor.com to receive the show notes and resources to help you through your personal storm. If you've been encouraged today, would you please consider leaving a review, subscribing or sharing this podcast, or maybe even all three? I'd be ever so grateful. Until next time, remember, you are not alone. 
God is for you and you will get through this.